This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Well, hey, uh, we're going to be in part five in the final part of our series. We're, we're calling it You Asked For It. And so hasn't the last uh, several weeks just been rich and, and God has been speaking to us and, and he's talking to us and... Uh, and I, I expect that he'll do the same today because he's just that good. And he, he, he does want to speak to us through his word and by his Holy Spirit and through his ministers. He wants to, he wants to talk to us. And, and you know, we're, we're living in, a, of course, you know, it was predicted that in the last days perilous times would come. And, and of course, we, we are in the last days and have been in the last days as far as God's concerned for the last couple of thousand years, right? But, and so that doesn't mean that we're right on the edge of Jesus coming back, but it does mean we're closer than ever. And, um, and so with the days that we're living in, they're, they're perilous. They're, you know, the, the, as we talked about last week, the Word of God has a lot to say about it and a lot about the characteristics of the last days. And it was just... You know, just setting aside current events and all that went on in our nation this past week, the, the Lord has just really impressed upon my heart that my responsibility to navigate this church through these times. And, and so it's, uh, you know, and, and I saw it like I, I, I haven't seen it before and, and the responsibility of that. And, uh, of course, that's what shepherds do, right? They lead and navigate. And so, uh, and there's many things that we have to navigate through life, and, and there's a right way. And there's a wrong way. And the wrong way is easy. I said the wrong way is easy. The right way can be very challenging and difficult, but we do have God's love that's been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the love of God, as it says in, in Corinthians or Ephesians, constrains us, right? And so if you don't have the love of God and you, if you're not allowing the love of God to operate through you, you're unrestrained. When you do have the love of God in you and you're allowing the love of God to uh, possess your heart, well, then you're, you're constrained, right? You're just not going to do and say and act anyway. I didn't intend to say any of this right now, but, but you're just not, you're, you're constrained. You have a, you're, you're constrained. And, and so, uh, you know, our most important thing as believers is that we need to be a good witness for the Lord. We need to be a good witness for him in our life and our actions and our behavior uh, can just speak so much louder than what we say, right? And so it's important. And so, uh, you know, we're going to do our best and with the Lord's help to navigate through these times. And, and, and so we're going to make it, right? And I believe this, that Jesus said, I will build my church. And all the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And I believe that. That doesn't mean that he just does it all. That means that he's going to have a people. He's going to have somebody to cooperate with him. It may as well be us. Right? We, we may as well be some of those that cooperate with him. Amen? So it's good stuff. Hey, just a quick update on our, on our project. Uh, you know, we're... Uh, of course, we still have a good bit of work to do, but hey, let me give you, let me just say this, and I'm going to say it, and, and Adam's sitting back here, he's probably going to, please don't, but uh, <laughs> our, our grand, grand opening date, we're going to let you know next week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, December 2nd, <laughs> December 2nd, so, uh, you know, we're, we're believing God that we can be in before that just to, to practice, you know what I mean? And make sure we, we know where all the buttons are and 
where all the light switches are and how to, how to turn water on and stuff like that. And so we want to be in a little bit before that, but, uh, but December 2nd, be kicking off our Christmas series in, a, in our brand new facility. And man, what a, what a tool, what a blessing it's going to be. And the Lord's going to help us reach more people for him. So, so mark that down on your calendar, get ready and don't invite. No, don't. I'm just, well, anyway, no, please, no invite, but don't in, in, Never mind. Scratch all that. <clears throat> How many of you are ready for part five of our series? We're calling you asked for it. And, and I'm ready for it. I believe the, the Lord's going, going to speak to our hearts. So I want you to turn with, if you would, to Colossians the first chapter, and we're going to just kind of camp out there in, in Colossians, the very first chapter. And so one of the questions that you asked, and it really gets asked, is, is it's on the top, top of the survey every year in our Easter survey, what is it that you would like us to teach on? And so at the, one of the top five every year is people want to know, uh, what am I here for? What is my purpose? How, how can I know what my purpose is? And so, uh, you know, we've dealt with this every year, but still people are asking, what is my purpose? I think that's a great question. I, I think that question and the answer to that question makes all the difference in the world and, and how you live and, and the, the amount of joy that you live with, and the amount of fulfillment that you have in your life is, is what am I here for? In other words, uh, what am I supposed to what am I here for? Why, why am I breathing the earth's precious air and using all the earth's precious resources? And what am I here for? Why am I here? And so we're going, we're going to tackle that question again this year. And I'm excited about it. And I'm kind of approaching it uh, from a little bit different angle this year. And, and so uh, it, it's going to be good. So I want us to pray and then we're going to get into the word. Okay. Father, in Jesus name, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that you're doing. Uh, through this local expression of your body. And Lord, we're not the only thing going. We're just one thing. And so we're thankful for that. And we're thankful for our part. And we're thankful for our, our sphere of influence. And, and we, we thank you that you're working in us and through us. And, and uh, we thank you that you're getting glory to yourself through our life and our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the title of, of the message this morning is how to live a meaningful life. Everybody say a meaningful life. Meaningful. How to live a meaningful life. You know, God has designed your life and my life to be meaningful. Did you know that? He's designed our life to be meaningful. And specifically, specifically, God has created your life to be the means to an end. A means to an end. Uh, specifically a means to his end, a means to his plan. Amen. So he, he's designed our life to be a means to an end. And that's not, that's not to be a slight at all. You know, I had somebody tell me one, they told Tammy and I one time they were, you know, we, they, they just said, I just feel like y'all are using me. And I uh, said, well, isn't that what you wanted? You want that's what you wanted, right? You want to be used, right? I just feel like y'all are using me. Well, yeah, but isn't that what we're all wanting to do is be, be used by God? And so uh, he's designed us to be a means to an end. And, but being a means to an end is what makes life meaningful. If you refuse to be a means to an end... Your life is going to be without meaning. Amen. And so he's chosen this for us, for our life to be the means to an end. How many of you believe that God has a plan? He certainly has a plan. But if, if, if we live only for ourselves, we're going to only have ourselves to show for ourselves. But when you, when you choose to be a means to something greater than yourself, then your life is going to take on meaning. Yeah. Meaning. So we're talking about how, how to live 
a meaningful life. You know, when I think about this, I think about John the Baptist. Now, you, you don't have to turn here with him, but in, in John the first chapter, everybody's heard of John the Baptist, right? You know, he, he, he's the one who, who was baptizing, and, right? He was, he was the one baptizing. So John the Baptist, when he came on the scene, you know, the, uh, some of the, the religious leaders, the priests and temple servants came to find John, and they said, who are you? I mean, because, I mean, people are coming out in, in the middle of nowhere, and I mean, he's, I don't know what he looked like, but he's eating locusts, and he's, he's just eating honey. I mean, just a little extreme guy, you know, and, and so they said, who are you? And he said, well, and I like the way the, the uh, John says it, that, you know, the apostle John, that, that John the Baptist answered, he said, well, I, I confess that I'm not the Messiah, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> it's almost like he was playing with him a little bit. He said, well, I, I confess I'm not the Messiah. If, if you're looking for him, I'm not him. They said, or are you, are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you one of the prophets? No, I'm not one of the prophets. Well, then who are you? He said, I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. I'm a voice. Who am I? I'm a voice preparing the way in the wilderness. He said, I'm baptizing with water. But there's one who's coming after me. I'm not even worthy to be his slave. I'm not even worried. I'm not even worthy to, to latch his sandals. He's coming after me. I'm not even worthy of him. But who am I? I'm a voice. I'm a means to an end. And so the next day, the next day, as John the Baptist is baptizing, and it's almost, he, he gets so excited, he can't even get the words out of his mouth. And he, and he said, there he is. There he is right there. The, the, one, the one I was telling you about. The one who's, there he is right there. He said, well, how do you know? He said, because the one who sent me told me that, that whoever I see the Holy Spirit come up on, that's him. And that's him. I saw the Holy Spirit come up on. And that, that's him right there. That's him. And then from that point, John the Baptist's followers began to leave him and follow Jesus. And, they, and, 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 and the, some of the disciples of John came to him and said, hey, you know, this guy, Jesus, he's over there baptizing. Of course, Jesus wasn't baptizing, but his disciples were. So he's over there baptizing. How come they're not coming with us? And John said, I must get smaller. He must get bigger. I, I must decrease. He must increase. In other words, I'm a means to an end. I'm a means to an end. And then it wasn't too long afterward, you know the story that Herod took John's head off. I mean, just cut his head off. You know, religion and politics will do some crazy stuff. And so he just, they just took John's head off, and when the report came to Jesus, Jesus went to the lake. Hey, they just, took, they just cut John's head off, and Jesus went to the lake. I mean, he literally went to the lake. Because Jesus knew that John's life was a means to an end. What was, what was, the, what was, what was the scope of, of John's life and ministry? was only to prepare the way for the Lord. And when the Lord showed up, when he came on the scene, guess what? John began to decrease, and Jesus began to increase, amen, until John's work was done. You and I are a means to an end. Now, here's something I think we all know, but we don't all live like this. 
your life, my life, has an expiration date. We will not be here forever. As James said, what is your life? What's your life? It's like a vapor. It's like the morning fog. It appears for a little time, and then what? It's gone. It's gone. And we only have a few more moments left. In the light of all of eternity, we have a few moments left. And so whatever we're going to do, we need to do it. Well, I'm going to do it one day. Well, guess what? One day has arrived. One day has come. It's here. Right? Today is the day. Now is the time. Everybody say, my life is a means to an end. So John's life, or let me just say it like this, John and many others who were named in Scripture, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all the prophets, they were a means to an end. They were a means to an end. And each of us have a part in God's plan. Each of us have a part in God's end, his plan, what he wants accomplished, his will. So John was one man and a long list of people who allowed God to use them to be a means to an end. Is that right? So you and I don't have all the time in the world. We've only got the time we have left. And if we want to live a meaningful, significant life, guess what? We will have to be, we will have to allow ourselves to become a means to God's end. Amen. In Colossians, the first chapter, and I would encourage you to, to read this whole chapter when you, when you get a chance. And... Uh, Man, it's just, it's just so good. In Colossians, the first chapter, Paul is praying for the church there. And I'm, going, I'm just going to read this from the message. And he prays in verse 9. He says, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. Let me, let, me, let me just read this prayer again. That God would give you wise minds. How many of you want a wise mind? Yeah. Wise minds and spirits attuned. Boy, we need spirits attuned. Attuned to his will and so acquire thorough understanding of the ways in which God's, God works. And he goes on to say this later in that portion in verse 10. He says, as you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. When you learn how God does his work, when you learn the ways in which he does his work, then you will be able to do your work. In other words, now we're all working, right? But how many of you know you can uh, sometimes what... What we think is priority is not priority at all. And so we know this. We know that people, they, they can work really hard and, and they, they can climb that corporate ladder and then they get to the top of the ladder and they look around, they find out that their ladder was against the wrong wall. They, they work their whole life. They say, man, ooh, I missed it. <laughs> wrong building, right? Wrong wall. Well, it's important that you and I, we, we, we understand how God works, that, that we have wise minds, that, and that our spirits are attuned to his will, right? Because in knowing and understanding how, God's work, how God works, we will learn how to do our work as well. So God has an end game. Did you know that? 
God has an end game, and, and we are a means to this end. What is his end game? What is, it, what, what is God's end game? Well, why did he send Jesus? Sometimes you just got to back up. Instead of just trying to scratch your head and figure it out, you just you ask good questions. Okay, what is God's end game? All right, why did he send Jesus? That was, that was a moment in history. I mean, that was a very significant moment in history, God sending his very own son into this sinful world. Why did he do that? Well, the scriptures tell us why. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So we know this, it, the, the will of God is for people to be saved. And not just for a few people, it's his will that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That is God's end game. He wants people saved. You see, because in the very beginning, in the very beginning, when he created man, he created man, he created he created humanity for his pleasure. The humanity was, was and is an object of his love. But through sin, man separated himself from God, separated himself from the love of God, and there was only one way that reconciliation could take place, and that's God sending Jesus as a, you know, as a sinless man into the earth to become sin for you and I and pay the price for our sins so that we could be reconciled back to God, come back into a relationship with God. That was God's end game, right? That was his end game. And so uh, what is our work? Well, our work is to cooperate with God in his work. And what's his work? He desires that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So in light of this, I want you to notice this just on down just a little bit further in Colossians. And I want to read this to you in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Notice, notice what he says here. So we tell others about Christ. So we tell others about Christ. Now, I know sometimes when you, when you, you know, if, if I use the word evangelism, people all of a sudden, they, they tense up. Ooh, what we're going to have for lunch? Uh, who's playing football today? I mean, you start talking about evangelism, and, and for the majority of Christians, they tense up a little bit. And the reason why, because the only thing that you've ever heard about evangelism is what, you know, Hollywood has shown it on TV with somebody with a, a megahorn out there on the streets with signs held up, you're going to hell, repent, you're going to hell, and you center, you know, and, and that's kind of, we, we, we think of this abrasive, aggressive, in your face, I mean, disrespectful kind of idea, but that's not all there is to evangelism. You realize, I heard this one time that you know, they, someone did a, a very uh, intensive research on how people are gifted in the body of Christ. And, and so uh, 10% of the people who, are, who, who did this very thorough and, I mean, very widespread testing and survey, only 10% of the people surveyed said they had the gift of evangelism. Now, that's funny to me that that the most important thing that God left us to do, he only gifted 10% of the people to do it. <laughs> How many of you, I mean, if God did that, he didn't do a very good job, right? No, but how many of you, that, that's, it might be the case that it's just the method that people say, well, I'm not that. Now, notice what Paul said. He didn't say, I tell others about Christ. He said, we tell others about Christ. We do this. We tell others about Christ. And, uh, and so I think, that's, I think that's important. Do you think that's important, that, that we would tell others about Christ, that we, would, that we would communicate the message of Christ to people? Because how can somebody be saved if they don't hear the message about Christ? How can somebody be saved if they don't hear the good news of Jesus? How can they be saved? Well, the answer is they can't, right? Turning over a new leaf is not getting saved. Promising to do better is not getting saved. Trying your best is not getting saved. Believing in God is not being saved. 
People have to hear the message of Christ, and there's got to be an internal transformation on the inside, and only the Spirit of God can do that. That's not something that you will to do on your own. Only the Spirit of God can transform a person on the inside. God's not into behavior modification. He's into making a new creation. Amen. But the only way that can happen is through the gospel. And so him we preach. Him we proclaim. Right? And Paul said, so we're going to tell others about Christ. We're going to tell others about Christ. And so around him, we just say it like this. We want people to know God. We want people to know God, not just know about God. A lot of people know about God, and what they know about God is not even accurate. But if you knew God, you would know what people are saying about him is not right. And the reason that so many people buy into what God is not like is because they don't know him. But when you know him, you say, oh, that's, that's not God. You know, I went to, I went to Bible school at Ramah, and uh, it's Kenneth Hagin's ministry. I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but awesome man of God. And so, you know, I, and so set up under his ministry for a number of years and had him in class several times, a, you know, a week and for hours just hearing him teach and tell his stories. And then somebody comes along and said, well, Kenneth Hagin believes this. I said, no, he doesn't. Well, yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. He said, how are you so certain? Because I know him. Right? I know him. I know the man. I know the person. Right? And so, you know, people, they, they're talking about, well, you know, this is what God's like. And they, they've created God in their own image and, and what they think and what they've heard. And they got God in this distorted, goofy image. And anybody who knows God says, well, that's not God. And the reason people buy that is because they don't know him. We want people to know God, not just know about him, not just believe in him, but know him, an intimate, personal relationship with him. So how do we get, how do we get to that point? We got to tell people about Christ. He said, they can't get to know him until they come into a relationship with him. And the only way that you can come into a relationship with him, you got to go through the door. You got to go through the gate and through the door and the gate is Jesus. You got to go through him. You can't know God apart from Jesus. Well, I believe in God. Yeah, but do you know Jesus? Because Jesus is the express image of God. He is the outshining of his glory. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you hadn't seen me, if you hadn't paid attention to me, you don't know him. And there's a lot of folks who believe in God that don't know God. They don't know him. They may know more about him than you do, but they don't know him. They don't have an intimate relationship with him. And that, my friend, is the most important thing. Amen. Jesus even says to the people, he said, you search the scriptures. He's talking to religious people. You search the scripture because you think that in the scriptures you have eternal life. But the scriptures are pointing to me. But you won't come to me that you might get, have life. You got to go through Jesus. Amen. So what are we doing? We're going to tell people about him. We want people to know him personally, have an intimate, vibrant relationship with him. So Paul said, we're going to do this. He didn't say, I'm doing this. A lot of times we're going to leave it up to the pastor to do it. We're going to leave it up to the preacher. Well, the preacher's supposed to tell people, no, we do this. We proclaim him. We preach him. Now, I'm not just talking about you getting a sermon, right? I'm not just talking about a message. I'm not, I'm not even talking about you going and witnessing to somebody. We proclaim him. 
And so Paul went on to say in verse 29, he said, and that's why I'm working so hard. And that's why I want you to work so hard. And that's why we all should work so hard. Why? Because we want to present everyone before him. I mean, we want to, we want to take as many people as we can and present them before him perfect and complete, cleansed from their sin, in a relationship with Christ. And so, look, we don't want around here, we want people to know him. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I'm not satisfied with just who's here. I'm, I'm dissatisfied with who's not here yet. And I believe that that would just, I, I think that would just sink with God's mind and God's will because in Luke, the 15th chapter, we have this parable that Jesus tells and, and he, he, he talks about this, this person who has a, they, they, they lost a coin. They had 10, they lost one. They forgot about the other nine to find the one. They had 99, they had 100 sheep, they lost one, they forgot about the 99 and went after the one. Had two sons, lost one. Forgot about the one that was safe and went after the one that was lost. How many of you know there's lost people? That we as a church must proclaim Jesus to. We must proclaim him. We must proclaim him. And so uh, one of the greatest ways that, that we proclaim, one of the greatest ways that we preach how many, how many of you are thankful for the church? I'm not just talking about this building, and I'm not talking about the building that we're building, although these are great tools, but uh, the church, yes. the ecclesia of Christ, the gathering. Yes. Yes. So he's, and, and, and the word says that, that he, he's revealed all the wisdom through the church. The church is the hope of the world. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think having... Right judges in the Supreme Court is important. I think voting for the right people are important. I think for you, you vote what's important to you and vote your values. But I tell you what's more important than any politician, more than any government, and that's the church of the living God. We are the pillar and we are the ground of the truth. And we are the influencers. We are God's voice. We are God's hands. We are him in the earth. That's important. Someone asked Billy Graham one time, said, you, you ought to run for president. And he probably would have been elected at that time. Maybe not at this time, but at that time, he probably wouldn't have been elected. He said, why would I want to take a demotion? Why would I want to take a demotion and become the president of the United States when, when God has given me the influence that I have? He recognized that the influence that he has at a, as a believer was much greater than the influence he would have as a politician. Amen. So let me just say it like this and, and then we'll, we'll kind of tie this all up. One of the greatest ways that we proclaim, present, preach Jesus is through our service. Did you know that? Just, and, and I know y'all see me and whoever else is preaching, give altar calls at the end of the service. And, and, but what you don't know, what you don't know is if it weren't for many other people serving, we would never get to that point in the service where people were receptive to receive Christ. If it weren't for others who were serving. And so Jesus said in Matthew, the, the 20th chapter, verse 26, you don't need to turn there, but you know they were, they were clamoring about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God and Who's going, to sit, who's going to sit at your right hand? Who's going to sit at your left hand? <laughs> and uh, Jesus said, man, y'all just thinking so worldly. 
you're thinking so worldly. I'm, I'm doing, I, you know, I'm doing something entirely different than what you've seen up to this point. He said, if you want to be great, become a servant. Everybody say a servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. We've said this many times. And that this is so important. And, this, and, and this, this is a value of our church. I mean, I think this is so important that we are the most like Jesus when we're serving somebody else. We are the most like him when we're serving. Not when we're doing miracles. Not when we're preaching. Not when we're quoting the scriptures. We're the most like him when we're serving. He came and he laid down his life in service for all of humanity. Amen? And so whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. So... Let me just say this, for for those of you who are already serving, you're you're already serving faithfully and giving of your time generously, thank you. Because without you, we, Relate Church, wouldn't be who we are. And without you, we wouldn't be where we are without you. So thank you. And I've got a prayer for you, and I just want to read this from Colossians. Paul prayed. He was praying for the the Colossians there in verse 11. He says that we pray that you'll have the strength to to stick it out over the long haul. He's talking about all these believers. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in every bright and beautiful thing that he has for us. How many of you know that what God is doing is bright and it's beautiful? I mean, and, and the work that he's given us to do is bright and it's beautiful, and it's awesome, and it's enduring, and it's eternal, and it's not going to fade away. I mean, your car's going to fade away. Your house is going to fade away. Your jeans are going to fade away. But the work that we do for the Lord is not going to fade away, and the kingdom is not going to fade away. One day, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. So one of these days, all these kingdoms, the United States and all these other nations, are going to fade away. But his kingdom, there will be no end. And what you and I are doing today is we're laboring in his kingdom, right? We are building his kingdom. We are building his church. Amen. And so Paul prays, he said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that, uh, what did he pray? There it is. (laughs) That you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Stick it out over the long haul. Not this grim, grit your teeth kind of strength, but glory strength. How many of you know there is a strength available to you and I who are serving God that you can't get from anywhere else? He will strengthen us. He will uphold us, right? He will empower us. He will grace us to do his work. So that's my prayer for those of you who are faithfully serving. Now, for those of you who are not, you're you're not serving. Uh, there, There might be some great reasons why. Maybe you're just checking us out. That's a good idea. Why link up with somebody you don't know anything about? Why partner with somebody that you don't know anything about? So maybe you're just checking us out. So if you want to check us out even a little bit more, next Sunday we have starting point. Starting point is exactly what it is. That's how you, that's how you start. And we'll, we'll, tell you about, we'll, we'll tell you about our church. We'll tell you about our history. We'll tell you about what our, 
what our goals and our dreams are and how we're going we go about to to accomplish that so starting point next next sunday during our 10:45 service okay so maybe you're just checking us out maybe you don't feel like you have time to serve well i just don't have time okay well, i think you do but so we'll get we'll get but maybe that's your excuse that's okay uh, maybe you don't think we need you. And we've actually had people say, well, it just seems like I've got all the bases covered. No. <laughs> Y'all know what an org chart is? You, you know what an org chart is? You may, uh, uh, maybe heard it, you know, referred to as a flow chart or this org chart. It's just, it's just an organizational chart where, you know, in any organization, they've got every, you know, every job, every position in these boxes, right? And so it kind of flows down. And, uh, and so we have an org chart, and we've got a lot of empty boxes on that org chart. So for, if you think, well, we just don't need you, we do. But more importantly, you need something. You need to become a means to an end, right? Or, or maybe... Uh, Maybe you don't think you're qualified. Well, none of us are. None of us are qualified to do what we're doing in the kingdom. I mean, we're, we're talking about God. Perfection. But yet he called us. All right. Or maybe we just haven't communicated clearly how you can get involved. And so that would be, that would be on us. But here, here's my prayer for you. If, if you're here and you're not involved. Colossians 1, 9 and 10, Paul said, we're asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will. We want, we want you to know the will of God and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. And we pray that you'll live well for the master as you work hard in his field. So if you're not involved, our prayer for you is to, to get involved, to, to find a place to get involved. And here's the deal. You say, this is, this is about, this is about us proclaiming him. And we could, well, I could give you stories all day, just, you know, from, from people who waved out on the street to people who have changed diapers to people who've opened doors to musicians who've, who played and singers who have sung and people who've worked with the kids and testimonies coming back and say, wow. And, and people getting saved and said, you know, thanks for taking care of my kids. Thanks for waving at me at the street. You know, and just, that is proclaiming. Yeah. Right? That is preaching Christ. That is preaching him. So here, here's the deal. We, we need to, not we want to, we need to add 50 people yeah. to our Sunday morning dream team. Say, what's a dream team? It's, it's, I mean, it's all the people you see waving, greeting, running sound, singing, coffee, and cafe and ministering to kids. It's, it's, it's anything that's happening on, on Sunday morning. That's our dream team. And we need to add 50 people. So everybody ought to receive that little card in your seat this morning. And, it, and we'd just like for everybody to fill that out. And it just simply says, I'm already serving or I would like to serve. And look, don't be worried about where you're serving. The, the big thing is, let's just have a servant's heart. Let's just, let's just have a servant's heart. I don't know about everybody else. When I got saved, I just, I want to do anything. I'd do anything for the Lord. I didn't even there know there was such thing as having a gift. I'd just do anything. I didn't find out about a gift for a long time. That I, I just wanted to do something for God. And so one, one day my youth, my youth minister, he asked me to, to preach in youth. Um, I said, really? And so I studied for about a month and a half. <laughs> and I remember it's from, from James chapter 4. And I, I studied for about a month and a half. And, I, man, I'm thinking, ooh, I'm ready. I'm ready. They better watch out. I, I'm ready to go. And it lasted all of three and a half minutes. <laughs> it's powerful. I mean, <laughs> And, and they were all looking at me like, hey, I can put somebody to sleep in three and a half minutes, I guarantee you, or I used to. So anyway, no, but no, let's just, let's just have this servant's heart. We're, we're, I mean, 
Well, I want to use my gift. I mean, big deal if you use your gift or not. I mean, that, there's, there comes a time for that. Big deal if you use your gift or not. But if you can put your hand to something and people come to Christ, yes. that's a gift. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. That's a gift when people come to Christ. Yes. Well, I want to do my thing. Man, I know. Sometimes I find out that my thing is picking up trash in the parking lot. Because it's my parking lot. It's my church. Just like it's your church. Amen? Serve. Let's just serve. I mean, let's just, let's just serve. I mean, let, let's forget about gifts for a little while. And let's just, let's just serve. What, what can we do to help somebody else come to Christ? So we're looking for 50 people. So please, everybody, just take that, take that card. Fill it out. I'm already serving, or I would like to. I'd like to serve. And, and, and we'll follow up on you because, man, we, we got, we've got a lot of places to fill now. When we get over to our new facility, we've got a lot more places to fill. And so we want to we get ready for that. All right? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, in, in Jesus' name, we, we thank you. Thank you for calling us into your kingdom, bringing us into the kingdom for such a time as this. Thank you for allowing us to take part. Thank you for calling and using the, the foolish and the unqualified and those that the world may look down on. Thank you for choosing us. And Lord, I, we, we offer ourselves today as a means to an end. That we would just be one in the whole list of other ones that you've used to bring glory to your name, to bring other people into the kingdom of God. What is our reward? What is our crown? Is it not those who come to Christ through our words and through our service? What is our joy and what is our crown? Is it not you in the presence of our Lord Jesus? Oh, Father, help us to see it. Help us to see that eternity waits. Help us to see that what we do right now impacts forever. I thank you for it. Father, I pray if there's anyone in this room today who's never come into a relationship with Christ, they, 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 they may believe in Jesus. They may believe in you, but they don't know you. I ask that you would deal with their heart. Draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name. Everybody look up at me just for a minute. Before we leave, I just want to give everyone an opportunity before we leave out of this room to, to get into a right relationship with God. And I don't, I don't want to assume that you already are because you're here. I went to church for a long time, every Sunday, and I wasn't right with God. I believed in Him. Somebody said, do you believe in God? Absolutely. Do you believe in Jesus? Absolutely. But I wasn't right with him. My life wasn't surrendered to him. I'd said the words before, but my words were empty. I came down the aisle, shook the preacher's hand once, but didn't take. So you can, you can believe in him. And not belong to him. You can be religious and not have a relationship. So I want to give you that opportunity. So let me just ask you this question. And if you were to walk out of here today and suddenly you were gone, you died, would you show up in heaven immediately? Or would you find yourself in hell? So, well, I don't like that. I, yeah, I know. It's, it's tough to be put on the spot, isn't it? 
You say, well, I think I'd go to heaven. That's awesome. But nowhere in this book does it say if you think. Does it say if you think? I think I'm going to go to heaven. It doesn't say if you think you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go to heaven. Well, preacher, I believe in God. And I was always told, always told, honey, all you have to do is believe in God. And I love you enough to tell you the truth that it's not just you believing in God. The demons believe in God. And they're not saved. And they're not going to heaven. If you're going to have to get to heaven, you're going to have to do it God's way. Not my way. Not grandma's way. God's way. Jesus, who is God, said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. You can't, you can't get there without a personal relationship with Christ. Jesus said you must be born again. To be born again from the beginning to end means that it's not just your words. It involves your words, but you're, you give your whole heart and your whole life to him. And he becomes the Lord of your life. Well, what's that mean? Boss. Boss. You do what he says. Amen. So if you've never done that, we want to pray for you. And look, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to even ask you to stand. But just with every head bowed and every eye closed, all you're going to have to do is just lift your hand. And we're going to pray for you. And pray with you. And I believe that the Lord is going to transform you. So I'm going to count to three. If that's you, just lift your hand. Be bold about it. Here we go. One, two, three right now. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. I'm looking across the room one more time. One more time. So I've never given my whole heart, my whole life to Jesus, but I want to. All right. Hey, let's all pray. Let's all pray out loud with this young lady. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life, my boss, my Lord. The one I look to. The one I follow. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for making me new. Strengthen me. Empower me. To live for you all of my days. Amen. Church, let's give these a real big hand. All right.